by the born again believer. You know, so we left off last week in the book of Joshua with chapter 4, um, verse 18. We're going to pick it up today with chapter 4, verse 19. And it reads, it says, And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. You know, um, and so here it is. It tells us off the rip that when they came up out of the Jordan, it was the 10th day of the first month. Now, this is a special day in Yah's calendar. You know, and we read about it in Exodus 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, this month should be unto you the beginning of months. It should be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. Amen. You know, so hereby scripture is teaching us that all of Israel must choose a lamb in the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the first month. You know, when we consider this in conjunction with Joshua representing the body of Yahushua, we should see a picture being painted that prophesies that the body of Yahushua would enter in their, into their promised land, i.e. New Jerusalem, when it's time to choose a lamb for the Passover. You know, there's another, yet another Passover that's coming. You know, we have one every year, right? So um, there is another one coming. And there's a, another spiritual Passover that's, that's coming that's going gonna, gonna to have to be fulfilled, which is going to involve you know, the body of Messiah. Now, of course, this is spiritually speaking. You know, so that said, y'all wouldn't say we must choose a lamb unless there'll be more than one lamb during that time. You know, so this is spiritually speaking. So spiritually speaking, there's going to be more than one lamb to choose from. You know, and even the lamps that we're talking about are spiritual lamps, and there's going to be more than one to choose from. You know, let us consider Revelations 13, 11 through 14 to sh um, show us, you know, one of such lamps that we'll have to choose from. Let me have my first reader read Revelation 13, Revelations 13, 11 through 14, please. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of all men, and deceiveth them, out, deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the, by the means, by those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of, sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by, which had the wound by a sword and did live hallelujah okay so we see in verse 11 it speaks of a beast coming up out of the earth that's like a lamb right and this beast he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of miracles he had to do in the sight of the beast you know, so it's plain to see that during this time, we'll have more than one lamb, both known for doing their miracles. Right now, we only have one lamb 
that's known for doing miracles. Amen? You know, but there's coming a time when we're going to have two lambs that's known for doing miracles. And we're going to have to choose one. Which one will you choose? Will you choose this one or this one here? That's that we read about in Revelation 5, 5 and 6. It says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Yahudah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals, loose the seven seals thereof. And verse 6 goes on to say, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven rukot of Elohim sent forth into all the earth. So you see, we're going to have two lambs to choose from. You know, which one will ye choose? And I know everybody say, yeah, I'm going to choose. Yeah, I'm going to choose the one, the lamb that was slain, you know, with the seven horns and the seven eyes. But will you? You know, I want you to understand that the enemy not no joke. He's a formidable foe. You know, and I, I don't, you know, I don't think people really, really grasp just how powerful he is. You know, a lot of people downplay him, you know, and, you know, they make, you know, songs about having, you know, his neck under their foot and, you know, and, and, you know, they kicking his butt all around and, you know, and yeah, that sounds good on paper, but as soon as they're challenged by the word of Yah, you know, they fall, they, they fall to pieces. You know, I want you guys to understand, you know, I want to try to get it across to you that, look, this is not going to be a light thing. You know, like many of you have, have trouble right now if, if, if you know, uh, if everybody's saying, you know, hey, no, you know, it's this, do this. You know, many of you have trouble saying no now. But I'm here to tell you that when this time come to, come to pass, when I say the whole world are going to be following this guy, you know, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult in order to, to stand your ground. It's going to be difficult with, even without the penalty. You know, there's a form of witchcraft they practice in the church, you know, and they do it because it works. You know, what you talking about, Pastor Obadiah? Hold on, I'm going to tell you. All right. You know, so this is what they do. They stand up in front of the church and they give this long soliloquy, you know, about tithes. And then they say, okay. Now's the time we're going to take up an offering. You know, after they done, you know, threw you on a guilt trip with Malachi, you know, what is it, 310? Can a man rob God? You know, how can you rob God with tithes and offerings? You know, okay, but, but then that's not the witchcraft. Here come the witchcraft now, you know. Then they say, okay, we're going to take up an offering, you know, for the church, right? And so they ask Everyone in the row, in the pew, to stand up and bring their, their, their offering or their tithe to the front. 
of the church. You know, yeah, calling it the storehouse. No, it's just the front of the building. You know, now, what does that do for the person that's in the pew that maybe have a couple bucks but can't really afford to give it? You know, it plays on the mind, on the psyche. And that's where the witchcraft come in at. Because essentially witchcraft is mind control. Yes. You know, and so what it does is it causes them to stand up and give even if they don't have it to give. Yes. It causes them to do something that they didn't voluntarily want to do. You know, out of, out of pressure. You know, peer pressure if you would. They don't want to be the only one in the pew left standing there. They don't want to be the only one sitting down when everyone else is standing up. They used to do it by just passing the plate down, you know, and then everybody, you know, um, pass it down and they put their money in the plate, you know, but then they noticed that a lot of people was faking it. You know, they, they, hand, <laughs> they, they hand go over the, over the plate, but nothing comes out of their hand. Right, right. You know, they were, they were just faking it. You know, and they say, okay, 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 we got to put a little more pressure on them, you know. Like, that's too easy for them to um, to fake, right? So they start having them stand up and bring it to the front. Yes. That's a form of witchcraft. That's a form of mind control. Understand what it is, first and foremost. You know, but I'm, I'm bringing this point up because I want you to understand the herd mentality. Yes. You know, People do it because everyone else is doing it. And so when you have this, this second lamb on the scene, and he's doing all these miracles, and all these people are following him, it's going, that herd mentality is going to affect many would-be believers. And they're going to follow right along with him. Trust me when I tell you. You know. So I want you to understand, like, so that you can start preparing yourself now. You know, because like, you know, many of you testify, you know, how, you know, uh, how your families think that we're in a, uh, we're in a cult, you know, you know, every time I hear that, I just say, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, they said the same thing about Yahshua and his, 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 <laughs> and his band, you know, you know, so, you know, but the thing is, it's like, it takes courage to stand for what you believe in. It really does. You know, and the thing is, it's like, you know, you can always take solace in the fact that you can open the book and point to what you're doing and why you're doing it. As long as you can do that, you good. You know, and people say they don't take all that and this, that and the other. You know, one thing for certain that I that I, I, I know for a certainty, you can never get in trouble for doing what y'all said. And when you can point in the book and show, like, you know, I'm doing this because y'all said do it. Where he said, when he said do it, where he said do it, he said it right here. You know, but if you ask them to do likewise, they can't. So who's really in the occult? Who's really in error? You know, I only claim to live by the book. I claim to live the word. And I can show in the word where I'm living the word. You know, but most others can't. 
You know, so I'm saying this because I want you to get a real grasp on things. I don't want to just gloss over this, just slide past it, you know, because this other lamb is going to be very, very convincing. Very convincing. You know, don't forget that, you know, there's there's a uh, a group that calls themselves y'all's people who are still waiting on a Messiah. Well, this other lamb that's coming with sure make a good one. A good counterfeit. Amen? You know, so know, understand, expect. You know, so that you can stand strong. You know, Joshua 4.20 says, And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan. Remember, um, they took 12 stones out of the Jordan? Yeah. Talked about that last week. He said, those 12 stones did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Now, this word Gilgal is, is interesting. It's cool. It's number 69 and 65. And it means to raise up, establish, erect, build. You know, um, and it's, it's, actually, it's, um, it's oftentimes used to, you know, for something to rise or, or to raise, you know. Um, but it can also mean to establish, to erect or build. You know, and... Gilgal, number 1537, literally means a stone circle. So the name Gilgal is, a, is, is also applied to several places, you know, throughout the Old Testament scriptures. You know, every time you see Gilgal, you know, in scripture, it's not talking about the same place. You know, there were several places that was, you know, um, called Gilgal. Now, Gilgal, like I say, it literally speaks to a stone circle. You know, and what I'm what what I'm what I'm um seeing here is you know what's what y'all you know I feel y'all showing me is that they made a Gilgal. You know, they took those twelve stones and they arranged them and made a Gilgal. You know, now they find these circular uh, stone circles you know uh, in many places many of these these ancient stone circles they find you know around the globe they find in you know uh, in the world you know and no one really had knows exactly you know what they were for or how they were used utilized you know nevertheless they do have some pretty good ideas, you know, and one of the ideas is that it was a type of calendar, you know, and I just think about, you know, y'all telling them to take 12 stones, we got 12 months in a year, you know, um, and, you know, he could have very, they could have very well arranged them in a circle, it says, you know, the word in is not actually there, it's implied, you know, uh, so it could just as well, just as easily being translated and Joshua did, you know, build Gilgal or erected Gilgal or established Gilgal, raised up Gilgal. Very easily could have been translated that way. And it can be translated that way and that's be a, just as good a translation as the one we have in the KJV. You know, so 
I want you to understand that, you know, because, you know, this is this is very interesting that these things are found, you know, was found throughout the land, you know. Now, here's a picture of of another, you know, another one that's found in in the uh, in the earth, you know, and here's a very famous one, and yeah, this is Stonehenge, and it is used as a calendar. You know, we know that it um, it marks the uh, equinoxes and the solstices, you know, so that's a type of calendar in and of itself. You know, so, yeah, that, you know, this Gilgal thing, it would make a lot of sense, too, you know, if that's, if that's what it was. You know, now, of course, you know, none of us was back there during that time, so we can't say emphatically, you know, but it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, uh, good yeah, it's a good, good guess, you know, educated guess, you know, so, but I just wanted to bring that forth because, you know, you don't hear it very often, you know, and so, uh, but I think it's a good chance that, it, that, that may have been what it was, you know. All right, we're going to um, verses 22 and 23, um, 22 through 24. Let me have my next reader read Joshua 4, 22 through 24, please. Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For Yahuwah your Elohim dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as Yahuwah your Elohim did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of Yahuwah that is mighty, that ye might fear Yahuwah, your Elohim, forever. Hallelujah. Okay. You know, um, I think I put my foot in my mouth earlier. Uh, not today, but earlier in, in the Joshua uh, series. You know, uh, when we were talking about them crossing over, it was a different word that was used. It was Kabara, uh, Karaba. Uh, which speaks to a desert, you know, and I was saying that they didn't cross over in Yavasha, you know, but here in verse 22, you know, it is telling us that they did cross over uh, on Yavasha. Um, dry, dry land or dry ground is Yavasha number 3004, speaking to the dry land or dry, dry ground from Yabesh number 3001, meaning to be ashamed, confused, or disappointed. You know, and so I thought they came over confidently, but it appears that it, um, that they were still ashamed, confused, or disappointed. In other words, they didn't really quite understand everything that was going on, you know. And so this is the picture that's being painted, you know. And we see uh, it was likewise when they came through the Reed Sea. In Exodus fourteen twenty two, it says, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea, Upon the dry ground, this is Yabashad, number um, 3004. And the land and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. You know, and the uh, words dried up, you know, uh, also uh, is Yabesh, which is the root of Yabashad, which means to be ashamed, confused, and disappointed. So it's just painting a picture that, you know, when you cross over, you know, you're going to be confused. And when you get over, you may be disappointed in the beginning. And it may be some shame, you know, may cause you to 
repent, which is just what Yah wants, right? Hallelujah. You know, verse 24 speaks about, you know, that this, the reason for this is so that all the people of the earth might know the hand of Yahuwah is mighty. See, Yah wants the earth to know his might. Amen. And also that his people might fear him forever. <clears throat> now, why does Yah want us to fear him? You know, I hear people ask me that all the time. Yeah, but do y'all really want us to fear him? Do we want us to be afraid of him? You know, yeah. You know, or does he just, he just, you know, he just want us to reverence him, right? No, he wants you to be afraid of him. Because if you're afraid of him, you're going to do what he say. That's right. You know, fear is, a, is, is, the, is the greatest motivator. You know? You know, and so... We see in Psalms 111.10, says the fear of Yahuwah is the beginning of, of wisdom. You know, Yah wants us to be wise. It goes on to say a good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endure forever. You know, so yes, Yah wants us to be wise and he wants us to do what he told us to do so that we don't have to be penalized like the wicked. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's a wonderful um, thing. You know, Yah knows exactly what he's doing. You know, if we go on um, to Joshua uh, 5, um, we'll see what comes next. Let me have my next reader read Joshua 5, 1 through 5, please. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Eliamorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the uh, Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that Yahuwah had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel, until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. And at that time, that time Yahuwah said unto Joshua, Make three sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. <clears throat> and Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the of the foreskins. And this is this is the cause why jo Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Mizraim that were males, even all of them men of the war dried in died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Mizraim. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way, as they came forth out of Mizraim, them that had not circumcised. Hallelujah. Okay, so we have talk of the Amorites, which speaks to the mountain dwellers. You know, spiritually speaking, it could speak to the affluent, you know, to aristocracy, if you would. And then we have the Canaanites that speaks to the, the merchants, you know, and uh, the traffickers. To, um, you know, so now verse 2 says something very significant. You know, it says, at that time, Yahuwah said unto um, Joshua. Now, remember, Joshua represents the uh, born-again believer, right? He said, make these sharp knives, not three sharp knives, make these sharp knives. You know, 
uh, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. So seeing that all of born again Israel must be circumcised the second time, it's imperative that we understand just what is meant by this second circumcision. You know, because what we have here is a picture of born again Israel being circumcised. You know, um, now Israel, when they first came out of Mitzrayim, they were all circumcised. But those who were born in the wilderness, that is born again Israel, had not been circumcised. Now, the original, um, the original Israel that came out of Mitzrayim was circumcised before they came into the wilderness. You know, and born again Israel now has to be circumcised after they've exited the wilderness. All right? You know, so once you come out of your wilderness experience, you must be circumcised, spiritually speaking. First the natural, then the spiritual. Amen? Amen. You know, so this second circumcision is a spiritual circumcision. It's a circumcision of the heart. You know, and it's spoken about in Romans 2, 17 through 29. So let's go to Romans 2. Let me have my next reader read verses 17 through 23. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and rested in the law, and maketh thou boast of Elohim, and knoweth his will, and approveth the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, doest thou steal? Thou that says a man should not commit adultery, doest thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, doest thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou Elohim? Hallelujah. And so in other words, he's saying that those um, um, Jews that do such are hypocrites. Oh, yeah. You know, and so he's saying, you know, our thou called call a Jew that, that rests in the Torah, you know, and knows his will and approves the things that are more excellent being instructed out of Torah, you know, which has the form of knowledge and the truth and, and of the, the form of knowledge and of the truth in Torah. You know, and, and really what he's talking about is very similar to what I was talking about um, I was just speaking on the other day, you know, and it's the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, you know, and how the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth life, how the letter speaks to the container, but the spirit speaks to what's within the container, you know, so Torah, you know, uh, is the container, but Yahshua's commandments, words and sayings is 
what the container holds. You know, it's what's in the container. You know, now, which one is the greatest? The container or that in which the container holds? No one's going to get a precious container and put garbage in it. If they get a precious container, it's going to it's going to have something in it that's that's priceless you know that's that's worth much more than the container you know this is why you're getting such a pricey container so that you can hold on to whatever's that important to put in it you know now proverbs 11 9 tells us about the hypocrite it says a hypocrite with his mouth destroy of his neighbor but through knowledge shall the just be delivered you know, and that's what Yahshua came, you know, um, to do for us. He came to give us the knowledge of what's within the container that we might be delivered. So that we're not just going around trying to fulfill the letter, but that we understand what's in the container. Because that's the most important aspect. You know, uh... It continues on in verses 24 through 29. My next reader, please. For the name of Elohim is blasphemed among Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision doth transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of Elohim. Woo! Hallelujah! Talk that talk, Apostle Paul! Yeah, I love that stuff. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah, in case you didn't know Apostle Paul, that's my guy. You know, you know, where he says, circumcision prof barely profiteth if thou keepeth Torah. But if you break it, then thy circumcision is uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of Torah. See, Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings is the righteousness of Torah. It's the righteousness of the law. This is why Yahshua said in Matthew 5, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees um, and the scribes and the Sadducees, ye shall by no means enter into the kingdom. You know, and the only way that your righteousness is going to exceed theirs is if you have some righteousness that they didn't have. You know, and the only righteousness that is given that they didn't have is the righteousness that was given by um, Yahushua HaMashiach. You know, and this is what was being spoken of in Yes uh, Yeshayahu um, 56, you know, verses 1 and 2. He says, you know, 
uh, Yahshua is soon to come and his righteousness to be revealed. So it was prophesied that he would come and reveal the righteousness of Elohim. Why did it have to be revealed? Even because it was locked in a container. Hallelujah. In Torah. He came to open it up so that everyone can see the righteousness that was within. Because without the righteousness that's within, then you're destined to become doomed. Because the letter killer, but the spirit bringeth life. You know, so... I pray that you can understand this, that you can see, you know, the simplicity of this. You know, it's what's inside the Torah right. that matters. It's what the intent of Elohim was in giving it that matters most. Oh, not God. just the letter of the words, you know. And so, so many people, like, you know, they, they, they try to adhere to the letter and they become pharisaical, you know, and, you know, and they become Torah tor um, terrorists, you know, and go around terrorizing people, you know, you know, but you really have to open the container and see what's in, you know, and that's what Yahshua did for us. He came and unlocked it so that we can get in it and we can, we can get the, um, the spiritual aspect of it and live by that. You know, hence in verse 29, he says, He is a Yahudim, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, which is, which is within. In the spirit, and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of man, but of Elohim. You know, so basically, Apostle Paul is telling us that there are, Yah, there are Jews according to the outward appearance. Which actually aren't Yahudim at all. That's what he's saying. You know, he's saying that there are some Jews out here that are yet, they're Jews in accordance to the outward appearance. They got that look, they got that talk, they even may walk that walk. But they're still not true Yahudim because true Yahudim is. One that is one inwardly. And that circumcision is not of the flesh, you know, but of the heart. Amen? Amen. You know, so, now that's not to discount the container. You know, the container, it has its role to play as well. And so, it gets your outer man together. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's what Torah, um, the letter of the word for it is for, is to get your outer man together. You know, so, you know, you do look like a Yahudim because a Yahudim has a look. Mm -hmm. right. You know, a Yahudim, you know, has a talk. Mm -hmm. A Yahudim has a walk, you know, but it's not that look. It's not that talk nor that walk that that makes the Yahudim a Yahudim. It's that circumcised heart that's within. Amen. Yep. You know, so. There are some Yahudim that's out here that call themselves, uh, there are some uh, Jews out here that call themselves Jews, but aren't. Mm -hmm. You know, and this, this is uh, spoken of in Revelations, you know, in a couple places too, that bears witness to what Apostle Paul is saying. Revelation 2.9, it says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich and I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. 
And likewise, in Revelation 3, 9, it says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. You know, and so here it is. He's talking about these very same, same folks that Apostle Paul is talking about. You know, those who only have this circumcision, this this circumcision, this sign. And remember, the circumcision is the sign of the covenant of Abraham. You know, and so here it is. He's talking about those that have this sign of the covenant of Abraham, you know, on the outside. But they're not like Abraham on the inside. So they look like them on the outside, but they're not like them on the inside. You know. Hence, Messiah would tell the scribes and the Pharisees, he would say, you know, um, you say you're my father. You're not a my father. You're your father, the devil. You know, he say, you say you, you're children um, of Abraham. He say, but, you know, I tell you what the father told me, and you receive it not, you know, and, and basically you persecute me for it. He say, Abraham didn't do that. No, he sure did. He but it's even because, you know, you can't hear me because you're not a my father. You're your father. You know, so here it is. There, um, no one understands that there are some Jews that call themselves Jews but aren't. You know, and it's a whole lot of them. But we're looking for the, the for the true Yahudim, for them Yahudim with the circumcised heart. You know, so don't just roll away your flesh, things from off your flesh. Also, roll away things from off your heart. You know, so that you can become pure in heart. You know, and this is what Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings do. This is why he tells you in Yochanan 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it just amazes me because you have so many people, you know, who can't even see his commandments. Now, how blind do you have to be to not even be able to see that Yahshua had commandments? That's like just... Blows me away. It's like, you know, it blow my hair back. You know, no wonder, I, you know, I can't, you know, can't do nothing. You know, it is, it's like, you know, they say, nah, it's the same as the old. No, it's not. You know, it, it's not. You know, if Yahshua didn't have any commandments, then why is this verse even here? He's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, Keep keep Torah. Right, right, right. He ain't saying if you love me, keep the law of Moshe. Right. He's saying if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, why would he say that unless he has some? That just makes no sense. Yeah. You know, but people would insist that he don't have any. You know, say la. Anyway, let's take a look at a few of them. <laughs> A few of these non-existent commandments that Yahshua gave. Matthew Yahoo 5, 21 and 22, he says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. This is one of the Ten Commandments, right? And whosoever kills shall be in danger of the judgment. Okay, now here come Yahshua's commandment. He says, But I say, who says? Exactly. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever 
shall say, Thy fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Okay, so we see that the letter speaks about the outer aspect of the man. You know, killing. You know, this is something that the hands or um, um, do or the outer man does, right? But Yahshua says, you know, you heard thou shalt not kill, but I tell you, don't even be angry without a cause. Yeah. Anger deals with the inner man. Can you see that? Yes. You know, uh, also, let's, let's take a look at another example. Matthew Yahoo 5, 27 and 28, it says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, this is one of the Ten Commandments, right? Yahshua says, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery with her already in his heart. Again, the Ten Commandments Torah deals with the outer man. You know, his outer actions. Adultery. Whereas Yahshua's commandment deals with his inner man. The lusting that comes even before adultery. Amen? You know, um, also, we're going to take a look at another example. We have Matthew Yahoo 5, 38 and 39. He says, you have heard that it have been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Again, Torah tells us, this is Torah, an eye for an eye, two for a tooth. But Yahshua goes on to say, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And so, again, you know, this is something that deals with the inner man to not resist evil. You know, that's something you have to have a very strong mind, you know, in, in order to do. You know, and Matthew 5, 43 and 44, ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. You know, now that actually does deal with the inner man, you know, but Yahshua's commandment is so diverse to it, you know, that we must consider it. It says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. What? Right. Bless them. What? <laughs> Bless them that curse you. <laughs> Do good to them that hate you. Ooh. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Tell me that don't change your inner man. For you to love your enemies, and for you to bless them that's cursing you, to do good to them that's hating you, to pray for them that despitefully using you and persecute you, you know, you're going to have to roll a whole lot of stuff away from your heart in order to do that. You know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pointing these things out so that you can see, you know, how Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings, you know, will change your inner man. And that's what it's designed to do. That's what they're designed to do. They're designed to circumcise your heart. Circumcise thine heart. You know, and as we learn from the book of Joshua, the born-again believer, when he comes across the Jordan, he must, before he can move forward into battle, he must circumcise his heart. Israel must circumcise their heart before they move forward. Mm -hmm. 
You know, and some people they come across and they don't want to circumcise their heart. They want to continue on with the same heart they had when they was in the wilderness. You can't do that. You can't do that. God's not going to be with you. Your enemies will destroy you. You have to circumcise your heart. You know, so, you know, that's all I have for you today. I pray it was a blessing. I pray that you can see that, you know, that this is a very essential aspect of, of our walk. You know, and those of us who come into Messiah, you know, this is one of the first things we should be trying to do. Amen. All right. Any questions? So when you say the letter of the law killeth, and you've explained that the the the, you know, the Torah is the container, and what we want is the inside, which is what Yeshua gave. But um, you know, when it, when trying to explain that to someone, um, is it correct in, in saying that the letter of the law killeth? Because if that's all you have is the letter of the law, that you'll never reach eternal life. Well, yeah, that's one aspect, but it literally do kill us, too. Because when you read the letter of the law, whenever someone breaks it, it literally tells you, go kill them. Okay. So that's the perspective they're taking it from, literally, from the word. Yeah, literally from the word, you know, but...